the game. This is Love Set Match. I mean, Andre Agassi had this goal, you don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, you have to be better than someone that's across the net. I think you got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too. Welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, guys, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. Well, let's get to our fan favorite reports, shall we? I can't wait. Yeah, uh, the best part of our podcast, as I said before, I really think this is amazing that we have these cool friends from all over the world that are reporting on their favorite players. I'm especially excited to hear the Novak Djokovic. Gosh, I can't say his name. <laughs> I'm <Take> especially <laughs> excited. Yeah. Yeah, I'm especially excited to hear the Nole report from our Novak Djokovic fan favorite, Tanya, because there's so much that has been going on with Novak, not only through the U.S. Open and, you know, the ball incident, but also kind of the stuff that's happening with the uh, Players' Council and the ATP, and then even reaching back to the Adria Tour. So I'm interested to hear what Tanya has to say with that. Of course, our Serena Williams report is always phenomenal, and I can't wait to hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as I mentioned, we have a new Rafa Nadal fan favorite reporter, and her name is Catherine, and she's from South Africa. She's obsessed with tennis, as she told me. And she, you know, kind of grew up in the 90s. Uh, she was like a Graf, Agassi, Sampras, fave, and then became fans of Federer, like who isn't. And then she was drawn to the young Spaniard fighting for every ball and uh, soon became following Rafa. So isn't that interesting? She was a Federer fan that turned to a Rafa. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm excited to hear from her for the very first time, and we really want to welcome her to our team. So that's super great. I'm excited to hear it. All right. Well, let's get to it. Thank you so much, Valerie, for joining me in this intro, and we're going to play the fan favorite reports right now. Awesome. Here they go. <laughs> and away they go. <laughs> and away they go. Hi, this is Catherine in Johannesburg with your Rafa Nadal fan reports. After six long months, Rafa is finally back. As everyone knows, Rafa chose to remain in Spain instead of travelling to the US for the hard court swing. During this time, he's been training at his academy in Mallorca, first on outdoor hard court, and then later, in July, he made the switch to clay. While he spent most of the time hitting with his coaches and students at the academy, in early September, stiffer competition arrived when world number 51, Pablo Andahar, came to train at the academy followed shortly thereafter by world number 22, Grigor Dimitriov, who spent several days practicing with Rafa. Rafa and Grigor get along super well, so I'm sure he was thrilled to be reunited with some of his friends from the tour. Rafa then headed to Rome to compete in his first tournament since winning in Acapulco in February. He is attempting to win his 10th Internazionale Biennial d'Italia crown and his 36th Masters 1000 title overall. Although he has a tough draw, with US Open semi-finalist Pablo Carreño Busta as his first opponent. Rafa may also take some time to settle after so long without playing a competitive match. Off court, while Rafa was quite active on social media during lockdown, sharing videos of himself baking a cake, 
playing backyard tennis with her sister and hosting an Instagram Live with Roger Federer. Since restrictions were lifted and he was allowed to train outdoors again, he's been much quieter online. Instead, he's been sharing mostly training videos, news from the academy, and celebrating the 10-year anniversary of his charitable foundation, which promotes the social and personal development of children through sports and education in Spain and India. In July, Rafa extended his sponsorship deal with Kia for another five years, and the car company organised a fun Facebook Live event to celebrate called Get Rafa Moving. They had Carlos Moya design a number of training drills, and then fans could go onto Rafa's Instagram page and vote for which challenge they wanted to see Rafa do. One of the drills was called Rafa vs. Rafa, where he basically played against himself, hitting the ball from one side of the net, then running to the other side of the court to receive it, then running back to get that return, essentially running in a continuous circle to return his own shots. It looked exhausting. But by far, the worst one was called Tornado Turns, which was a volleying exercise with Carlos, where Rafa had to spin in a 360-degree circle before hitting each volley. Rafa was totally dizzy after that. It was a super fun event, though, and a nice way for Rafa to stay connected to and interact with his fans. The world's been going through a difficult time lately, so I'm sure many of us are grateful to have something to look forward to again with the return of professional tennis and all our faves. I hope all the players stay safe and healthy, and I can't wait to see Rafa back on court. It's Crystal here with another fan favorite report for Stefan Otsitsipas. So I'm pretty sure the last time I had a report for you guys, Stefan was playing at the uh, Moritogalu Academy tournament that Patrick had organized. Um, Stefan won the first one and then the second one was actually won by Zverev. So after those tournaments happened, Stefan went to Mykonos with his friends and his girlfriend and it was very lavish and fun. They had a villa, very exciting. I actually saw most of the photos via Instagram, and I'm sure you guys can check them out as well if you have not seen them. It looked like an awesome time, and they seemed to have a lot of fun. After that trip, Steph went into full training mode and preparation for the US Open. Obviously, Cincinnati was being played in New York as well, and then the week after would be the US Open. So, Steph went to New York. He played in Cincinnati. He did so well in Cincinnati. He got to the semis. Unfortunately, he lost to Rayanich, who ended up in the final. Sadly, he lost to Djokovic. And then the US Open came. Stefanos was playing really well as well. But the third round match against Borna Choric was something. So I was watching that match. Stefanos had so many opportunities he served for the match. He had six or so match points, and he just could not close it. It was the most dramatic match I'd seen for a third-round match in the U.S. Open. There's probably more dramatic ones, but that tops the cake. And the devastation was, I can't even describe it, and I don't even know how Stefanos feels like as a fan of Stefanos watching that and after him losing when he was in the lead was just hard enough for me. I can't imagine what he went through. After the match, he did tweet literally seconds. It felt like seconds after he got off the court. He said, this is probably the saddest and funniest at the same time thing that has ever happened in my career. After seeing that tweet, I was just like, I feel so bad for him. But he's bounced back. He didn't seem too down about it. The next few days, he was posting beautiful photos about him exploring New York City with 
potentially his girlfriend and some of his team that were with him as well. And he looked like he was having the time of his life. So I don't think he's been too down about it. He's probably, probably not forgotten, but he's just moving on to the next thing, which is Rome, which is happening. So after Stefanos left New York, he went back to France to prep for the Rome tournament and the French Open, which is happening very soon in the next two weeks, end of September. So I'm very excited for that to hear about that as well and it's going to be super fun Steph has been I don't know how he's transitioned well into the clay but we shall see uh, the Rome tournament has obviously started the Masters 1000 he in the second round he's playing Senna in a few days and then potential to meet Nadal so he could cause an upset or we don't know we'll have to see but I'm really excited for that and it's been so good to have tennis back I don't know about anyone else but I've just I feel like a person again so yeah hopefully everyone's staying safe and wearing masks and social distancing and hope to see you guys on the next one bye hello this is Tanya from Republic of Srpska and this is my report on Novak Djokovic well when we thought that 2020 couldn't get any more dramatic something happened that shook the whole tennis world the Novak Djokovic drama took place in New York in the fourth round of US Open when he got defaulted after striking a ball and unintentionally hitting a lineswoman. It meant the end of his 26-0 winning streak. It paused his process of writing a new history chapter just a few days after he finished writing another two. By winning ATP Cincinnati, he tied Nadal's all-time career ATP Masters 1000 record of 35 titles and he also became the first player to win all nine Masters tournaments twice. Novak Djokovic came to New York in a great shape and was the favorite to win US Open, which would be his 18th Grand Slam title. He was feeling great on the court and everybody could notice his happiness of being back and his desire to keep winning. Everybody was talking that there were players that could challenge him but not beat him. Nobody could guess that the first player to beat Djokovic in 2020 would be Djokovic. And that's why it was so painful and disappointing for him. After his disqualification, he wrote on Instagram, This whole situation has left me really sad and empty. I checked on the lines person and the tournament told me that thank God she is feeling okay. I'm extremely sorry to have caused her such stress. So unintended, so wrong. I need to go back within and work on my disappointment and turn this all into a lesson for my growth and evolution as a player and human being. I apologize to the US Open tournament and everyone associated for my behavior. The tennis world reacted differently to this situation. There were many discussions if Djokovic's disqualification was justified or not because it was obvious that he did not intend to hurt anyone. Rafa Nadal's comment was, Novak was unlucky, but the rules say clearly that's a default. Sorry for him, he had an opportunity there. But in some way you should not be doing this. It's very unfortunate, very unlucky situation. But it's important to have the right self-control on the court. Mats Willander said, 
It's as much bad luck as you can have on a tennis court. He hit it harder than he intended to. Obviously a complete accident. It was a sign of frustration, yes, a little bit, but it doesn't matter, you are not allowed to do it. Boris Becker also thinks that the decision was correct. Even as someone who has a high regard for Novak, I think the ruling was correct. I do not think he was trying to hurt anyone. He just lost control for a moment and he had to go. On the other hand, Goran Ivanishevic thinks that default was an injustice and that Djokovic should have got a game penalty instead. What I find tragic is that many people act like they were just waiting for him to do something wrong. There is a lot of maliciousness and a lot of people happy that someone else is in trouble. Some of the media are out to get him and I really don't know why that is. Daniel Medvedev in the semi-finals match referred to Djokovic's default in a discussion with the supervisor after being refused to challenge the serve. He went to the other side of the court to show the umpire the point where the ball landed and it was a violation of tennis law. Cold, you saw, what, what did I do to, to get a call? What did I do? Crossing the net. You have a entry, Danny. You know that. Ah, oh, yeah, sorry. I, I, I think I killed someone, right? No. Sorry, I was so bad for, to cross the net. Sorry. My apologies. My sincere apologies to you, Sokan, for crossing the net. Oh, my God. I'd love to see you as Okay, but my sincere apologies to you for uh, crossing the net. My sincere apologies, ref, for crossing the net. It's okay? It's okay? It's okay? Ah, okay. Sorry, sorry. Whether it was deserved or not, Djokovic said he accepted it and moved on. He is already in Rome, ready for clay season. Well, um, of course, it was a shock to finish the U.S. Open the way the way it was finished for me. Uh, first time in my career that something like this happens. Uh, of course, you know, I, it could have happened earlier in my career. You know, could have happened to many players. You know, that uh, the ball hits a line umpire, and uh, I was just unfortunate that I did hit a line umpire in a very awkward place and. Uh, look, uh, there was a lot of speculations and discussions whether it was deserved or not. I, you know, uh, I accepted it and I moved on. I checked on Laura after the match. She said that she was fine. There was no no big injuries. I, I felt really sorry to to cause the the shock and drama to her because uh, you know she didn't deserve that in any way. You know, she obviously is volunteering as well and, and, and doing her work. She loves, she loves tennis and she's been there, as I understood, for, for quite a few years. And it's unfortunate, you know, for both of us to kind of experience that. But at the same time, you know, we probably had to experience something like that. You know, life just arranged things to happen in that way, which was very awkward um, and disappointing for me to finish off, as I said, the U.S. Open that way because I felt very good about myself, my game. I won the Western and Southern Open, um, played on the same courts of U.S. Open and came into the fourth round feeling really good, hitting the ball really nicely and confident, uh, ready in every aspect. But, 
yeah, I mean, it was totally unexpected and very, very unintended as well, of course, to hit her. Uh, but as I said, you know, uh, when I when you hit the ball like that, uh, as I hit it, you know, you can, you have you have a chance to hit somebody that is on the court, and and the rules are are clear when it comes to that. So I, I accepted it, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, had to move on, and that's what I that's what I did. Djokovic is one of the mentally strongest players in the world and there is no doubt he will come back stronger. He is going through a difficult time when many are criticizing him and if you don't mind, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind him that Nola Femme stands by his side. He still has so much to show and give to this beautiful game. We are all looking forward to it. This is everything for now. Hope you'll keep listening to us. Bye. Hello. I am here. I am saying things. Hey, everyone. It's Valerie, your fan favorite reporter for the great Serena Williams. Well, it's been so long, I can hardly remember when the last time I've done a report on the GOAT was. Or what was it even about? I'm pretty sure the tennis world was on lockdown, so things have changed a little. We've actually had tennis exhibitions and real WTA matches. So let's start with the tennis. Serena joined the tennis world in Lexington, where she unfortunately lost in the third round to fellow American Shelby Rogers. She then played the first big tournament since the COVID shutdown, which is the Western and Southern Open. It's usually called Cincinnati, but this year was held in New York on the same grounds as the U.S. Open for safety precautions. Serena played well this tournament until she ran into red-hot Maria Sakari, or Sakari, I've heard it pronounced different ways. I am uh, dying to know how it's actually pronounced, um, who uh, also beat her in the third round. So Sakari was quite impressive in her tough three-set win against Serena, And uh, actually, she played really well in the U.S. Open as well, so kudos to her. But finally, to our first major of the year since the Australian Open, which was pre-COVID, and since Wimbledon was insured, they didn't feel the pressure uh, to squeeze the tournament in this year's calendar like the other majors are trying to do with the U.S. Open and the French Open. The U.S. Open was held in New York, as usual, just without fans, which I was always concerned whether or not that was going to hurt or help Serena. On the one hand, it seemed like there might be less pressure whilst trying yet again to capture her 24th major title. But then again, losing your home crowd support, I was terrified she could have had a flat performance in an early round and suddenly find herself packing up early. It seems she did great without the crowd. And I, and maybe a handful of others, started believing it was destined to happen, that she would at least be getting into the finals, giving herself another fighting chance at Grand Slam number 24. And what happens? She starts off amazing in the semifinals against Victoria Azarenka, reminiscent of the ruthless playing we're used to seeing when she plays Sharapova. And Vika just hung around, and somehow, as the great champion she is, She managed to turn around the match and fearlessly take the match to send Serena packing. Later, we would learn that during the match, Serena tweaked her Achilles, and that injury forced her to withdraw from Rome, which just happened. Um, And as of now, Serena is still planning to attend Roland Garros, which starts this week. She will not be the favorite there, um, and it'll be interesting to see how she recovers from the Achilles injury. Clay will not be forgiving if she's not 100%. 
Uh, So I'm excited to see the tennis continue, and I hope that she's able to play well and stay healthy. Now, you may recall me referring to Serena as the GOAT at the beginning of this report. And while I truly believe she is undoubtedly the greatest women's tennis player to play our sport, I guess the GOAT conversation in any sport is always a fun debate. In fact, I just read an article a few days ago that IBM Watson... I'm assuming that anyone who watches tennis regularly is familiar with Watson as our sport is littered with commercials and almost all major television networks use the IBM Watson to gather stats for commentating before matches, during matches, etc. Anyhow, Watson ran the numbers and used four categories to compare Margaret Court and Serena's careers. Watson seemed to come out with the proof, quote-unquote, that is needed hands down Serena Williams. The one set I find the most noteworthy is her total Grand Slam titles. Not just singles, but including doubles. You know, that part of tennis so many of us quickly forget about? Serena has 14 Grand Slam titles in doubles and two more in mixed doubles. Are you kidding me? She has had a total of 39 Grand Slam titles. Hard to argue against those numbers. And one would also have a hard time arguing against the fact that Serena Williams has the best serve the women's game has ever seen. Did you know in Wimbledon 2012, Serena hit 102 aces in the tournament? That was more than any of the male players, and they play best of five sets, which means more opportunity for inflated numbers. Okay, time to jump off the Serena Williams goat debate soapbox and get on to her personal life. So what's so fun about Serena is that she isn't a hidden figure. She's always so active on social media. So it's fun to follow her and see what she's up to. I'd suggest going and checking out her Twitter or her Instagram, um, where she's always posting fun little videos of her and her daughter, them playing dress up or doing their makeup or dancing around. Sometimes they're even playing tennis together. It's really cute. What I thought was fun this week was her response to one of my favorite men's players, Sasha Zverev, a.k.a. Alexander Zverev, for those less familiar with his nicknames. So Sasha announced on Instagram that he has hired David Ferrer as his coach. Serena responded, nice, but I was hoping I got the gig next time with a shrug emoji. Sasha responded to Serena saying, You are the greatest of all time. Let me win a few before I even ask you for the job, LOL, and some laughing faces. Anywho, it's been really fun having tennis back. I am really excited that we actually are getting to report on our players playing tennis and not just being holed up in their houses. So I hope everyone is staying safe out there, and I hope you guys have a chance to watch some Roland Garros, and it should be really interesting. Uh, Not only for me to see Serena, but all the players who show up. It's going to be so exciting. Thanks for giving us a listen and catch you next time. Bye.